Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today, our guest is Sharice Smith, a partner in the telecommunications, media, and technology, privacy, and cybersecurity practices at Paul Hastings. Prior to joining Paul Hastings, she served as chief counsel at the Federal Communications Commission and VP and general counsel of Washington Post Digital. Sharice, I've given our listeners some insight into your role and background. Can you expand on what I've said and give us a glimpse into your role at Paul Hastings? Well, thank Thank you. I'm very excited to join you today. And I would love to give an answer of what my day is like, except that every day is different. I represent a lot of media, telecommunications and technology companies. And part of my job is to really be kind of an outside legal and business advisor to them. And that means that the questions that I get every day, kind of the issues I deal with really differ depending on the day. So for example, this morning I had a media company that's thinking about rolling out a new product that will be very cool, innovative, different uses of content over mobile and dealing with a lot of the legal and business issues and some of the privacy issues related to that. Yesterday, I had a telecom company that's trying to launch a subsidiary in the UK and we were trying to figure out kind of the regulatory and business issues related to that. So it really is kind of working with them to figure out what their needs are and to address them in a very practical and sensible way. I'm assuming a lot of your work is quite leading edge that you're often dealing with issues where there's not precedent and you're creating that precedent. Is that accurate? Absolutely. I mean, what I love about my job and what I love about my practice is that all of the easy answers have been answered somewhere else or there can be other firms who may have kind of a niche and they can go to them for more rudimentary issues. I usually get the questions that are new, novel, may have kind of regulatory wrinkles or business wrinkles or legal wrinkles that have not been thought of before. So you're really giving them your best advice, your best guidance based on kind of the existing law, but also recognizing that there's a lot of gray area out there and helping them come to a conclusion that works for their business. Insightful for a lot of our folks starting out that there is this newer or very changing environment that you're working and have established a strong business for yourself in. Can you give us that history? I mean, how did that occur? Were you always interested in this segment of business or was it somewhat based on cases that you experienced as an associate? How did you get into this particular practice area? So my road to my practice area actually goes back a long, long way in that I wanted to be a news anchor when I was coming out of high school. And my father, a very traditional Southern guy, said that makes absolutely no sense and you need to go get a business degree. That's the smart thing to do because you'll always be able to use it. But I always loved news. I always loved media. And I am absolutely a first adopter and an early adopter in pretty much any technology. If it's a gadget, I want to know how it works. If it's something new mobile platform, I want to play with it. So those have been my personal interest. And then after I left Northwestern, I was lucky enough 
to work with a partner who said, you know, this internet thing seems kind of interesting. I want to start doing more work in that and took me along for the ride. And it has been a wonderful experience because marries not only my legal interest, but also my personal interest. So at this point, as a partner, you have some, I'm assuming, large responsibilities specific to both <laughs> retaining, <laughs> retaining clients and growing your business. What personal strengths or habits do you bring to that part of your role? So I think I'm able to bring a number of different things to my clients. First is just my experience, which I think is somewhat unique. I mean, there are very few law firm partners who have been a general counsel, have worked on the regulatory side, and then have also worked on the law firm. So when I talk to clients, I really understand where they're coming from. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with a general counsel who's like, you get me. And I said, yeah, because I remember having to answer to my CEO and answering questions that most people don't realize CEOs are asking or framing questions in a way that you have to present to a board. And Understanding that gives you a lot of added value for your clients. So that's, I think, one thing that really sets me apart from other attorneys. But the other thing is that I recognize, and again, maybe this is my in-house experience, being responsive. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to come up with the answer immediately. But I do like to get back to my clients immediately, even if I, you know, it's a, hey, just wanted to let you know, got your message. I'm in meetings. I'll call you back at this time or can this wait till tomorrow. But just having kind of that contact and reassurance gives them a lot of comfort about me and who I am and kind of the fact that I always have their back. And I think that's the final thing that I would say is I always have my clients back. My job is to make them look good, to make their companies look good and to give them good product and service. And I really take that seriously. So those are three great points. Thank you. And I have to say is one of the things I've been most surprised at since I started Left Foot and started talking or spending a lot of time with lawyers. I come out of the corporate environment. I've worked with finance. I've worked with actuaries in a lot of different fields. And I've heard this more than once. With lawyers, there's this reputation in a lot of cases that they're not as responsive as most corporate executives expect. Let me just use that word right. or are used to, right? So right. What, what do you think that's about? What? Where does that come from? I don't think that they understand, unless you've been in the kind of corporate environment, I don't think people really appreciate that when you get a call from a CEO, you have 30 minutes, maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half to get back to them. Because when you're trained as a lawyer, you're you're able to research, you're able to think, you're able to muddle, and your job is to really get to the right answer. And I think it's hard for people to understand that the right answer is what we can come up with in the next hour and a half. <laughs> and that, the, you know, there's a lot of business risk that's associated with that corporate people are willing to deal with. But what you don't want is a situation where you're behind the curve or you lose out to another competitor because you're moving too slowly. And so I just don't think that a lot of lawyers understand that nuance and they're not able to appreciate the pressure that corporate people are under to just deliver an answer and get it as right as you can, understanding that there's risk, but to get it done. When you were in-house, did you have the opportunity to evaluate outside counsel? If you did, and I'm assuming you were part of those discussions, how would you evaluate someone's responsiveness? Was that done mostly through references or their responsiveness during the business development process? What did that look like? So it's very interesting. I mean, I think the bar is that you need to be a substantive expert in whatever area I am interested in. So, you know, there are a number of people who will have the 
reputation in an industry. And that's kind of the pool from which I would choose. But then after that, there's a lot of kind of feel and touch, if that makes sense. We would sit down and I would ask certain questions and I would be interested in the person's response. I mean, you would be surprised that sometimes I would get a purely legal response that was absolutely great and quoted a lot of statutes and that was fine, except that it didn't give me the business answer I needed. Or I would get business answer, but I could tell that person didn't understand who we were as a company and what kind of risk we were willing to take. So for example, you know, you're talking about the Washington Post. And even though it was the digital arm and the technology arm, there is a brand associated with that. So we could only be so risky in certain areas versus in the technology space, we may be able to be a front runner on on different issues. And so having people understand those nuances and being able to talk to me about that. And then the final thing, and I'll never forget this because I've taken it into my personal practice, is one of my outside counsel at the time, who's also a very good friend, said, my job is to make you look good. And I just never forgot that because it was the first time that I had someone say, I get the pressure you're under and I feel your pain and I'm here with you. And so people who I attach to based on kind of the, they get me, they understand my pressure would always win the business at the end of the day. That's an interesting point because I think that is exactly what we hear from a lot of business executives. They want to know when they're at the table, when they're doing those long nights and they're basically going ahead based on guidance they're receiving, that the person that gave them that guidance is right there with them. A great point. Now I'm a accomplished senior associate or a new partner, and I am out now for the first time responsible for obtaining business and bringing in clients. Would you recommend something that that lawyer could do to help jumpstart that? Do research, be curious, get to know your client's business. Anything you've seen that was either unique or you feel is just critical during that stage of a lawyer's career? I would say two things. First is marketing. And what I mean by that is there's your external brand and then there's your internal brand. Who are you going to be to your other partners in the law firm? What are you going to be known for? So if there is a uh, media issue that has a privacy bent, I am that person in Paul Hastings. I've made sure that people within my firm know that you should call me. And then externally, I'm very good about giving speeches, talking to people, presenting to C-suite, presenting to corporate people about new issues and novel issues and trying to brand myself as a person who's not worried about your prior issues, but looking forward to what's the next issue, what's the next challenge for your business. And so I think those are the two things is marketing and then finding an area where you can be the new person, the person who is the expert in something new because there's so many lawyers out there who are great. And if you try to go into an industry or an area that's already flooded with a ton of people who do it, then you really kind of start getting into a question about fees. And that's not really the differentiator. What you want is to be known as a person that that people say, oh, she's the person for this issue or she's always on top of this industry and making sure you get out there and let people know what you're doing. Nailing your niche or finding some quote unquote open space where there's opportunity. We get a lot of lawyers today saying, hey, I want to look at these things that are newer, like drone law and other areas, you know, cybersecurity, of course, that you're in, hot area. I know you attended conferences, spoken at conferences. Did you write when you first started creating this area of expertise for yourself or was writing not one of the things you did? Honestly, writing wasn't my thing. I found, and I think that's the other thing that people have to do is be honest with who you are. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy 
enjoy being in front of a crowd. I enjoy having interactive conversations where we're noodling very interesting issues and dealing with very interesting issues. The last thing I want to do is sit at a desk and write things. (laughs) It's just not how I connect with my clients. On the other hand, there are people who don't feel comfortable presenting themselves in that way. And those are the people who write these very insightful, thoughtful articles that they can basically then target to the right industries. And they are very successful in having business opportunities come from that. So I think you have to figure out what what works for you and what you're comfortable with. And for me, speaking and talking to people has always been my thing. Fantastic. I interviewed Eric Press, who was the editor of ALM, the American Lawyer Magazine, until recently. And he ended his interview by saying, for God's sake, don't do anything you're not comfortable with. That's great advice. You have to be very genuine about who you are. I mean, like you start with, I am who I am and I'm going to present my best features and hope for the best. That does result in something, right? When you're most comfortable, I think we shine as far as our skills and our ability to bob and weave based on the situation. I think that there is something to be said for that. Sharice, can you tell a success story of where you were able to either acquire a new client for Paul Hastings or a new piece of business at a current client? That to you was really defined how you go to market a method or a methodology that you'd be able to rely on for future business. So one of the things I can't name the actual client, but it was a very, very big media company that the firm had been trying to really broaden relationships with beyond kind of employment work that they had been doing for them. And coming out of the FCC, I knew that my strongest sell, at least in the initial period, was I've been here and I know everything they're planning on doing doing for the next two to three years. So you should come to me if you're interested in selling your broadcast company, or you should come to me if you're interested in how the FCC is going to regulate privacy issues. Because I know because I was there and I did it. And we were able to go to this media company where I I said, you guys are interested in thinking about various stations and various issues and perhaps M&A opportunity, JV opportunities. Let me tell you what the FCC is going to do. And let me tell you how they think about your business and how they think about your industry. And we got the work because they were like, you are the person. You were the one who designed this stuff. You were the one who kind of dealt with the legal issues that we will then have to deal with as a regulatory of the FCC. And so that was a very, very kind of shining moment for me. Oh, that's fantastic. And I think that kind of experience, too, is no one can compete. That's a unique perspective, right? right. A very unique perspective. I'm going to ask you to step out of the positive side. Was there an opportunity with a current client or prospective client where it was less than successful and really some lessons learned from that? I think you have to, again, realize what your strong points are. And we you know, had a pitch with someone who, from a pure substantive perspective, we were spot on. The team was a great team. But at the end of the day, we couldn't compete with another law firm whose rates were simply cheaper. And the type of work that we had been asked to pitch for was just something that could be handled by a boutique or by someone else. And I really sat back and thought about that and said, you know what? Again, you were asked to do this pitch by someone you knew at this company. But at the end of the day, 
this really wasn't your sweet spot because other people could do it cheaper, could do it faster, could do it in a different way that made more sense for the type of money they were trying to spend? And was it good for you to spend the time that you did? Because ultimately it wouldn't have made sense. Had you been the chief counsel hiring someone, you still would have said, "I'm you're great. You guys were wonderful. However, <laughs> this other firm can offer it to you, to offer it to us at this rate. And so I think just, again, being figuring out what you can go to market with and not chase everything, particularly when you're coming into a situation where you may have no business or very little business, there is the impulse to go after everything, to chase everything. And you just can't do it. You have to be very thoughtful, smart, and focused. In other businesses that I've been involved in, we had formal qualification processes where we would actually give our professionals the opportunity to not go after business. And of course, we would help them as a leadership team, the decisions on whether something was something they should or should not go after. Again, it was permission, right? Because very often people feel somewhat pressured. It's the client calling or another executive or maybe they'll pick us kind of opportunity. Do you feel that you have the opportunity to make those kinds of decisions? And yes or no on that. And if either direction, how does that, you know, what is the guidance you've been given that you do have the opportunity to select clients that are going to be profitable and that where you have the right solution? And is there an opportunity to basically say, you know, not in this particular matter, it's just not a good fit with what we have to offer because we won't be able to economically present a a financial solution or something along those lines? So I think it's a little bit of all of that. (laughs) And what I mean by that is my gut tends to be right on a lot of these things. Again, having been a general counsel, I usually can identify the situations that don't make sense to for us to do. And what I try to do is make sure that people understand that I'm always going to be a credible advisor. And I think honesty gets you a lot a lot more than people realize. Because if I can go to a general counsel who said, hey, Sharice, we'd love to have you pitch. And I can say, you know what? We are not the right fit for you. But here's who I would suggest. That goes a long way because when you do get the opportunity to do something that makes sense and you're like, we are the right person for you. We are the one. They tend to pick you because they trust you. They know that you're not going to be a firm out there saying we can do be all things to all people. Well, that's just not the case. So I think that that's one way of approaching it. On the other hand, you also have opportunities where you're like, this may not necessarily make the most financial sense, but this would be a great branding opportunity. Or this will get us in an industry, an area where we haven't been able to show our strengths, but we have it. And it's really letting them kind of understand that we are capable of doing that. And so we'll take a financial kind of hit on that one because it's so important for us to move into this next area that will be the hot area, that will be the next kind of big thing. And so I think that's partly how I evaluate opportunities. And it's so far so good. Excellent. Question. Do you rely on either marketing or business development professionals at Paul Hastings? And if so, what is their role when you're planning for your year, planning to go out and and pitch some new business? How are they involved? Our business development people are fantastic. I mean, I cannot say enough about how good they are. They are able with every client pitch, you know, they're, of course, they're going to get together the marketing materials, right? And that's kind of the basic thing. But they're also able to help analyze kind of where the firm is moving, what areas we've doubled down in, what makes sense for us as a firm, and to help kind of be in that process of we're strong in these three areas. We probably should pitch these three things and maybe not these two things. They're also very good at helping you come up with innovative financial strategies. So fixed 
fees or lower fees for certain type of work, higher fees for other type of work. But they think about it in a very business oriented way. And I find them to be invaluable partners to us. Do they go out in the field with you on pitches? Are they sitting next to you as business people? Typically, that's not the way it's done, but you are starting to find a shift in clients. And some of them will ask for business people to be there. But I think as a legal kind of group, we're not there yet. You know, the general counsel still want to talk to the lawyers and they understand that they are business people behind the scenes. But the conversations typically are still lawyer to lawyer or CEO to lawyer, C-suite to lawyer. When you're out at clients, have you been in the situation or had the opportunity to almost say, can you bring the business side of the house into the conversation where you've asked for the business people on the client side to attend so it's broader than lawyer to lawyer? Not yet, but I could definitely see in a situation where that would make sense. Again, particularly for big clients, you know, the Fortune 100 clients where I think they really are thinking a lot more strategically about business advice. I think that's where it would make sense, but it hasn't come up yet. Sharice, how has changes in the economy, either from your own experience while you've been there or from what you've understood as how the organization operates, the firm operates, how has changes in the economy really changed the way that Paul Hastings goes to market, acquires business, prices business? Well, it's interesting. In some ways, I don't know if it's changed a lot because when I came to Paul Hastings and part of why I came to Paul Hastings was that it was very clear that the firm said, we are innovators. We are looking to the future. You're not going to come to us for, like I said, the tried and true, the routine stuff. So our brand is, if you're thinking about the next thing, if you're thinking about three, five years out, come to us. And so because that's where a lot of our practices are, a lot where a lot of our attorneys are, our pricing hasn't really had to change that much because people are willing to pay for our expertise and that innovative thinking. But that being said, we also have institutional clients or big clients where we who ask us, hey, we know we could go to someone else for this type of work, but we just want you guys to do it all. And at that point, we are much more creative about kind of, oh, okay, well, we can offer you that service for this because it doesn't make sense for you to pay that or it doesn't make sense for you to have an hourly fee. Maybe it's a fixed fee for this project. So, you know, we are flexible um, as well. But overall, the economy hasn't really been a big thing for us because like I said, we are putting ourselves out there as the innovators in the legal field. People are seeing the value in that. And I think there is always that market of folks that say we're a large organization, we're a Fortune 100 and we need to have and feel more comfortable and our board feels more comfortable having an organization, a firm like Paul Hastings behind that counsel that they're receiving. Let me ask a question around the general counsel you work with. What are those relationships look like? Are these folks that you've gotten to know in the past three years? How do you keep your relationships with those general counsel strong and confident so that you're not really thinking, hmm, you know, that business could go away tomorrow? Again, it's a little bit of a mix depending on the client. So because I've been now in the media technology kind of arena for over 20 years, (laughs) some of my relationships go back that far. When we were young associates kind of sitting there grinding it out at our respective law firms and we've grown up together and those are just trusted relationships where they have my back and vice versa. And it's not that I take those for granted, but there's just kind of there's 
so many years behind those relationships that they know they can call me anytime. I'll be available. And we connect just as friends, quite frankly, and kind of get together just because. How are your kids? We've At this point, we've now seen dating, marriages, kids, whole <laughs> kids, enchilada. Um, in fact, you know, some one of the conferences I go to, they always laugh about the fact they remember when my husband and I were dating and I brought him for the first time to the conference and they were all checking him out. There are relationships that are friend relationships. And then there are relationships that have developed over the last couple of years where I put a lot of time and attention into them in the sense that if I see something that might be of interest, I'll call them or shoot them a quick email like, hey, have you seen this? You may not care. Or it may not be a big thing, but just wanted to let was thinking about you. Or you try to at least make in-person visits for those people who aren't in the D.C. area at least once, twice a year and say, hey, I'm in town. You want to grab lunch? You know, hey, who doesn't want to do a lunch or a coffee? Again, just to say you are important enough for me to kind of do a face-to-face check-in. How are things going? And then I also ask for honest feedback. I mean, usually after projects are done, you won't hurt my feelings. I have no problem saying, what did we do really well? And what could we have improved on? Because, and I think, again, it's a show of I care enough to ask the question and you know that I'm going to address any issues if there are any. But again, I think it's just trying to have them understand that I'm invested in them and their company. It's interesting. I had another guest comment that when they go out and ask clients to do satisfaction meetings on how a law firm is performing, that the clients always accept because it actually hasn't been a regular practice where it's in other parts of their business, it's definitely a regular practice, but it seems that asking for that feedback, asking clients to be comfortable giving it has not always been the case. I think it's a newer phenomenon. It's great to hear that you're doing it. Lawyers don't like to hear that they're not perfect. I mean, you know, we are risk averse people. We are safe people. We are methodical. You know, we think things through from beginning to end. And it's hard for someone to say, well, your baby's ugly. You're not, there's a part that wasn't that great. But my thing is I'd rather know and be able to address it. Or again, it's usually not that things weren't great. It's just, hey, during the process, we realized that next time we could do that and saying, great, I'm taking note. And next time we will do that. And so it's a learning process for both sides, but people appreciate you just caring enough to ask the question. Sharice, you have a lot of energy about your work and you're showing that energy to us, which we appreciate very much. What do you enjoy most about your role? At Paul Hastings, I will tell you, I just love the people. And again, it was part of why I came here. I really enjoy my colleagues. I mean, they are interesting people with interesting careers, but they also have like interesting lives outside of the practice of law, which just makes them kind of great people to be around. And when you're doing this kind of work, you really need to enjoy people you're working with. So that's one thing. And then again, I love solving problems. I love getting these very complex issues where they come to me and they're like, well, I don't think we can do this. And I'm like, well, yes, you can. And here's what you could do. And let's evaluate the risk. And coming up with an answer that gets them to yes and gets them to do whatever they thought they couldn't or to push the envelope just enough to be successful, but not to be um, a liability. I enjoy that. And I still do after all these years. And then I have clients who are very appreciative. I am lucky in that my clients always tell me, thank you. You did a great job. Or I know you were in the middle of X and you jumped off and you made sure we were taken care of. And that validation, quite frankly, is also something I enjoy. You want to protect them. They're a strong client, but the fact that they're appreciative is is a huge factor. Absolutely. Sharice, thank you. We appreciate you sharing your thoughts with our listeners. Any last points you'd like to make before we say goodbye? I think we've talked about a number of different things, but really 
really at the end of the day, it's about being kind of true to yourself and understanding who you are and what kind of brand you want to have both personally and professionally. And I think that gets you 75% of the way there. But I think that a lot of people don't take time out to really do that internal thinking, to really think through and plan and be strategic about their life and their career. And that little bit of thinking, that little bit of planning, that little bit of focus to identify kind of those things from the beginning will really pay dividends throughout your life and your career. Fantastic advice. Sharice, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Left Foot. Thank you as well. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot. Oh, 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 o